Hi, and welcome again to Once When I Was Cool, a weekly podcast about all the things that we'd enjoyed when we were younger, when we were cool, and when we had a bit of a better idea of what was going on with the world. My name's Dave. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, and unfortunately, joining me again from the other side is Wee. How are you, Wee? Yeah, good, thanks, Dave. Is it unfortunate that I'm joining you, or is it that, that we're uh, um, a couple of thousand kilometres apart again? Take your pick, mate. What, what makes you sleep better at night? Oh, probably alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's not really sleep, though. That's just sort of drifting off into a, a dozy. Anyway, mate. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, hey oh, this, this is, is I'm great. So yeah, far. crack and start this one. Crack and start. Man, anyone would think that we just got straight online and didn't plan anything. Yeah, we always do research. But getting us out there to your earballs, ladies and gentlemen is our producer, Simon, who's to the left of us over there. I keep pointing to the right, but I have to remember he's, <laughs> he's down in Tasmania now, so it's to the left of me. So, hey, producer Simon, how you doing, mate? Mm. And interestingly enough, in the background at the moment, my one of my dogs and cats are having a bit of a standoff, um, which is going to erupt into some sort of violence in a moment. So if we get a bit noisy at the moment, I do apologise. Um but we, looking back, uh, I was sort of having a think today. Unfortunately, uh, you know, some sad news during the week. Uh, one of my school friends passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. But I was thinking about all the good times that we used to have when we were at school. But more importantly, not so much that when we were at school, but was uh, when we um, used to go on summer holidays. And so I guess this week we're going to talk about uh, about that. So we, once when I was school, we used to really look forward to our summer holidays. So uh, as we'd say, our northern friends would say, our summer vacation. And I I'd just like to say before we go on that this was a suggestion from Marcus a few weeks ago. Marcus, I think Marcus is in Canada, um, who he sent forward talking about summer vacation and all the things we used to do when we went on summer holidays and looking forward to it. So, we what tell me what do you remember about our summer vacation? Well, first and foremost, uh, condolences to hear about you, mate. And you know, uh, we, oh, yeah, mate, that was just yeah. a segue to make sure, yeah, yeah, look, yeah, anyway, yeah, thank you for that, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm um, sure our listener, shout out Shaniqua, is uh, sending a love to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, uh, summer vacation, and for us here um, in, in Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere, that's uh, across Christmas. So we never get mm. to have uh, a, uh, what would you call, a white Christmas or anything along those lines like they do uh, in, in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's about... Um, you know, going to the pool, going to the local creek, uh, getting yourself cooled off. A lot of water-based activities. Water-based activities, uh, even even out in, in the bush up when we weren't at the coast. Uh, but for me, that was just um, a, a good long break just to do some uh, skating for six weeks to seven weeks, you know. It okay. was great. Yep. So, you know, yeah. it was... I guess mine was similar. Like you say, it was over the summer. And so by the time I think it was the beginning of December, although now I know just uh, Delilah uh, tends to finish as close to the 1st of December as possible and sometimes doesn't go back until well after Australia Day usually, which um, which is the 26th of, um, 26th of January in Australia. Um, so usually around that time because that's a big public holiday. So there's about six or seven weeks off that they have. Now, I know it's not the three months that uh, that the North Americans get, um, but we do have other, you know, term breaks or semester breaks earlier through the year, which, you know, gives you a couple of weeks off here and there. But um, over those summer holidays, it's really when the Australian summer is hot and when it's really starting to get hot. And I remember from mine, um, I was about 
probably, I always kind of enjoyed the beach when I was younger, but for me, it was being able to, to learn to surf. And I first started off with body surfing. I remember I was about 12 um, and a friend of mine um, took me to the, he and his father, we went to the, one of the local beaches one time. They taught me how to body surf. And from there, I was just hooked. Um, and body surf, if you body surfing, if you're unfamiliar with it, is basically just catching waves in, just swimming and catching waves in. Yeah, and look, it, for for me, it, you know, you'd think going to the beach would be. We never really sort of just packed up the family and just went to a holiday location because we still lived in a. You know, we had a bit of a farm, and and um, I also used to have a summer. I used to have a job on on. Um, all of our, all of my school holidays, so I spent a lot of time sort of, you know, going and work. I actually worked in a uh, wrecking yard, um, like which a was ca- a car wrecking yard. Yeah, a car, car wrecking yard. Like, yeah, automobile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and he was also the scrap metal dealer and the aluminium can guy, and you know, I learned to do. Oh, I started doing that probably when I was about thirteen or fourteen, working out there on the on the uh, school holidays and. You know, for that two weeks, yeah, during the day you'd be you'd be working, but you go home, have a shower, and then you go out and you go skating. The beauty is, no one was at school, so the schools were awesome to skate during. You know, all the different mm. schools were great to skate. So, well, it's interesting that you say that because nowadays you go past the school and there's big, um, you know, like ten foot high fences with barbed wire around. Well, maybe not barbed wire, but difficult to get into, and big lockable gates so that you can't actually get onto the school premises. Yeah, I mean, back in our day, I don't think anything really had a a, a big fence around it that should have had a big fence even, around it. I remember there were parts of the primary school that I went to um, that didn't even have a fence. It was just sort of backed into the neighbour's backyard or backed onto the footpath. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I suppose it's the way the, of the world these days. Everything's more, you know, uh, secure. Uh, you know, you have to... Uh, you know, no one ever come and chased you away. There were, mm. You know, in the local communities, you know, you'd, you'd go down and you'd skate. And even at the Catholic school, the, the the priests and the nuns would see you there. They wouldn't chase you off. We'd go down and play handball um, down there, play a bit of uh, uh, tennis um, and take our skateboards down. So we'd go and skate down there for, for an hour, have a bit of a muck around on the tennis court and a bit of handball and then skate some more. So it was... Mm. Not too far from the city centre as well, you know. City. (laughs) Yeah, to city. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess in smaller towns people always knew who you were, so you weren't far away and the police always knew who everybody was. Um, But for us it was also a um, a tourist. I lived in a tourist town because I lived on the coast and and summer holidays your population would increase threefold. The the number of people that would be in town was just phenomenal Because and people would come from everywhere. It was just one of these little seaside attraction towns and um, people swimming, people being in the water, people being at the caravan parks were always jam-packed and always lots of people around. But I don't ever remember there being a lot of crime around, like people being around um, there. There wasn't a lot of like a lot of theft or a lot of vandalism, anything like that. I think the uh, I think the number of caravan parks. I was only just talking about this with another friend uh, last weekend. We went for a drive um, into the northern suburbs up along the the coastline, Redcliffe. Uh, but you know, he was saying he he grew up there, and he said how it used to be a holiday destination for people from Brisbane because it's like 
30 to 40 kilometres outside of Brisbane. Mm. Um, and he just said there used to be just caravan parks everywhere mm. and it was more of a bit of a sleepy sort of beach place, you know. And there was always forestry and bushland. It was always a satellite city um, of uh, Redcliffe, if you want to have a look on a map, is just to the north of Brisbane. And now it looks like it's just a another suburb of Brisbane. But I remember when I was younger, it used to be, um, it used to be a satellite city and it was a bit of an effort to actually get out there. Um, but yeah, it's another one of those sort of holiday destinations that sort of outgrew itself. Um, you know, more than anything else is one of those things that once the, once the, you know, people get in, they decide it's going to be a good place to retire, a good place to, to, to move to. Um, yeah, it's one of those good sorts of things, but it's always interesting that in your summer holidays, it's always headed towards the coastline, always headed towards the beach. Um, sometimes you get people with boats would go fishing and go to dams and water ski and do those types of things. Do you have a water ski? Yeah. Learn to water ski in the local, um, uh, dam. Yeah. Local Creek. Cause mm. that's mm. no, the local dam, which was the town water supply, but it was also, um, you know, just the big local water catchment for the town town water supply. Mm. And um, used to be a lot of um, boats out there and skiing. So, yeah, I sort of learned to water ski out on that. It's interesting how many of the town's local water supplies have people that can have power boats and animals and swimming and all other sorts of things floating in it. It, it really says a lot for the um, water purification, really, because a lot of the stuff that goes on in those things, a lot of the recreational activities and the fish living in it and everything like that, um, it's really quite amazing. If you were to walk up to it, you wouldn't put your mouth into it, especially in the middle of summer when there's that thick layer of sun cream oil across the top of it and, um, uh, you know, all the other sorts <laughs> of horror, floating sausage where someone's upended their barbecue into the water and, yeah, well, everything else and everything else with people swimming and doing whatever else they do in the water. And the, and the thing is, because it was sort of out, um, it's actually to the east of the town, you'd get people uh, with their properties that just went down to it. So you'd have cattle and sheep and everything in there as well. So you're right, that used to go from there and go into mm. into town, into the uh, the but, water holding facility and the purification system. But I remember when we used to do a lot of four-wheel driving, there was a group of about 10 of us that every year we'd try and find the coldest place that we could in the middle of winter and call it our crazy brass monkey trip. And we'd go looking for the coldest spot we could and it was never near water. It was always in the highlands and the hills and things like that. But I don't ever remember wanting to go up there in the summer where it's stinking hot and being in the Australian bush. And summer camping, so I, I just don't get, you know, if you're camping in the bush, or in the bush, in the in the forest, in the outback, in the wherever your equivalent of, of the bush is, um, it was, it's never fun. It's just too hot and miserable. There's always a billion flies and every time you open your mouth, about 15 of them hop in your mouth to try and find out whatever remnants of food you got stuck in your back teeth. Um, I've never really gotten into summer camping away from the coastline, away from the beach line. It, look, it's it's you've got high heats and out, you know, over the Great Dividing Range, which is a huge mountainous range that runs down the eastern seaboard in Australia, and it sort of separates um, pretty much. It's totally different on the other side. The weather is dry. It's not humid. There's no humidity. It's a dry heat. And imagine 45 degrees in a dry heat. Um, it's not even so much just the, the, the heat trying to get cool. Um, if there is any water supply there, because it tends to dry up pretty quick, mm. but but the critters that are around, mm-hmm. but the amount of um, snakes, you know, you've got you probably – 
yeah, well, lizards won't kill you, but you know the um, the amount of snakes that are out there and and spiders. Mm. You know, you're looking at you know eight out of the top ten venomous snakes in in the world live in Australia, and they're always out there when you're camping. They want to go where <laughs> everyone else is. Yeah, they like the holidays as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though the the snakes. When it comes to snakes, people get ridiculous around snakes as well. They get seem to think that you get oh, there's always one bloke in every group that says, "No, I know what this snake is. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up or I'm gonna poke it or do something like that just to irritate it to make it try and bite you." I've never I've always found with snakes, just stay away from them, and you're usually okay. Oh, they don't like you as much as you don't like them, really. I'm no, I'm not scared. Of, I'm not scared of snakes. Um, I've, you know, the amount of times I've nearly stood on snakes, um, you know, put my hand on a snake in a, in a, even in the sheds, you go through, I walked through the, um, one of the sheds at, um, uh, friends of ours property and they had a really big shed that had cold rooms in it. Um, all their tractors were housed. They had uh, graders in there. When I talk graders, to grade the tomatoes, to grade the the different fruits and veggies, they had like a one out of one out of ten. Yeah, one yeah. to ten grading. Yeah, in the sizes, yeah, mm. you fool. <laughs> um, but they had a big workbench, and I was walking through there, and I kept hearing this sort of this rubbing noise. I'm going, what is that? And as I shifted my hand and looked over, right next to my hand going on the bench was a big red belly black snake that was about mm. six six foot long. Mm. So... Uh, Enough to put you enough to put you in a grave or make you really sick if you if you're in the middle of nowhere. Well, I remember a story that would have been. Oh, it's when I first started in healthcare, probably oh, it was probably early 1998, and I wasn't there at the time. But these people were telling me that I was I was working at Tweed Heads, which is at the bottom of the Gold Coast, up near the Queensland New South Wales border, um, and it backed onto a lot of. Um, uh, sugarcane farms and a lot of native bushland and um, somebody there was this one guy who um, who had a granny flat had a two-story house and his mother-in-law lived in a granny flat underneath the granny underneath the two-story house and one night the mother-in-law came up and said oh there's a snake in my bathtub and the guy said, oh, okay, all right, well, I'll come down and have a look. It's probably just a carpet snake. And anyway, sure enough, he goes down in the bathtub, there's this this snake. And he says, yeah, yeah, it's only a carpet snake. I'll pick it up and just carry it outside. And and carpet snakes in Australia, by and large, are a protected species. And at the time, I think it was a, a $10,000 fine for killing one. So, you know, people sort of were fairly tolerant of them. And they don't, carpet snakes always live in the roof or live in the chook house or live in somewhere like that, and they don't cause too much problems. But he said, oh, yeah, it's carpet snakes. I'm going to pick it up. And he went to pick it up and the snake bit him. And, and you know, carpet snakes aren't aggressive and, you know, obviously they'll have a go if you're really oh, they'll, trying to they'll bite you. They'll but bite you. it was the way this one sort of bit him was unusual. Anyway, he went, oh, that's unusual. I wasn't expecting that. So he went down and bit him again. Ended up biting him five more times and then he started feeling <laughs> unwell. Turns out it was a rough-scaled snake, which is probably oh. the third or fourth deadliest snake in Australia. And this thing bit him four or five times. And, uh, yeah, he got very, very sick uh, very, very quickly about this. But it goes to show you that people just seem to think that just by thinking you know what a snake looks like and to be perfectly honest every snake looks the same to me i'm not going to have a look to see whether it's you know it's it's red on the bottom or black on the bottom or you know a snake's a snake get away from it as soon as you can it's not not too much for me but the maddest maddest of those guys that come out and catch them 
Yeah, you don't you don't stop an ox to for it to roll on its back to give it a belly rub. Well, you don't. Well, you don't ask <laughs> give it a, for its give it a nuzzle. Well, yeah. it's like the whole no, you thing. You don't ask its ID for its ID, you know, or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, ask its you know, back. It's, ask its background. Um, but it's interesting. It's it's a similar sort of thing. You know, a snake's a snake. It's like people talk about uh, in the northern hemisphere in Canada and the north of uh, yeah. the US talk about the difference between a black bear and a brown bear. So a brown bear, you you stand up to and, and shake your booty maker or something like that at it and hope that it backs down. Whereas a black bear, you've got to go into a ball and play dead. Um, but you know, it, whichever one it is, and I'm sure somebody will tell me if I'm wrong, let me know if you've had any encounters with bears once at school podcast at gmail.com. Um, but it's, you know, what if it's a brown bear that's wet, you know, so it's a black bear, looks like a black bear. Do you run at it or do you, you know, try and make yourself look large or do you, do you just play dead or, you know, do you just cry and sob uncontrollably and hope that it t- leaves you in disgust and pity uh, over, the, you know, the miserable existence you become? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. So, but yeah, snakes, leave them alone. So, so my biggest thing is it's like any snake, you just leave it alone. But with the bear, we've got to make sure is that the person you're with, you can run faster than them <laughs> or you can, you've got something sharp to make them bleed so it mm. makes them, um, you know, chase them. It's Look, look to me, you know, all of those sort of critters, it's part of us living. And as you know, I hate the spiders here immensely. And Which I've, is funny because I don't really understand what it's about. I know you're not a real fond of sharks either, but you're not really in much peril of sharks when you live in, on the land. But what is it about spiders that you don't like? Because Australia spiders, there's not really many that will kill you. Um, because it's pretty much only the funnel web, which is around Sydney. All the others just make you a bit crook. But, you know, what is it about spiders you don't like? Well, firstly, funnel webs are all up the eastern seaboard now. They've travelled their way up. Mm. So you're wrong. Tourists, so it's with summer holidays and migration. Yeah. 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 So um, I look, I got bitten by a spider when I was young, so I've had a bit of a phobia. You, You didn't get any superpowers? No, I'm probably the anti anti Spider Man. Stunted your growth. Yeah, stunted me, my growth, and um, maybe the handsome devil I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got bit by a spider. I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I just I just don't like them. I just think they're evil. I think they're all out to get me. I think there's a network of them, and they know that I don't like them, so they keep um, just showing up. I've uh, yeah, I've had them crawl out of my shoes and um i've hadn't been i had to throw the shoes away um I, i'm i'm really putting my heart out there now and on my sleeve i actually oh. had uh one night and when it gets when it rains the um the huntsmen love to come inside out of the mm. wet because yep. you know they don't they can't dry off properly All with right. the towels mm. but in the out from under the shed door which comes into the house in came this big, big huntsman, and I could see it out of the corner of my eye. So we had um, one of those. Did you try and uh, avoid looking at it in the hope that it'd just go away. Well, with those eyes that they've got, no. So I ended up um, in the middle of our lounge. We had one of those uh, puff things that you um, that you put your feet up on, like yep. a footstool. Yeah. I stayed on that for two hours till my wife came home. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. I can just imagine you sitting up there, sitting up high, squealing. What would you have done if it had looked at you? Oh, it was looking at me because it then went under the lounge 
It went under the lounge. So I under was the, like, under the sofa. Yeah, under the sofa. Yeah. I, I was I was <laughs> petrified because it was coming at me, mm. and I'm sure. So back to yeah. what we were talking about. Was this in the summertime in one of your summer holidays? Yeah, because when they rain, they're everywhere, and. You know, they live in the bark because their colours like bark of trees. I've had them jump off at me. They're just horrendous animals. What about when you're driving along and you flip the uh, sun visor down and one falls uh, out and onto your lap while you're in traffic? I've, uh, <laughs> as you know, in one of the stories of uh, me with my spider phobia is um, we were over camping and, and Sean had a little soft top Suzuki Sierra and <laughs> Spider dropped down out of the sun visor. And if anyone says you can never get out of a seatbelt that's done up, they're lying because I got it. I wrangled my way out of it onto the actual out the door and I was yelling at him to stop the car. I think he thought I was having a heart attack. Did he uh, he stop? No, he didn't stop. And the fishermen that were looking at me, I think, were laughing as well. But that's (laughs) all right. (laughs) <laughs> so what was your favourite thing about summer holidays? What was it you looked forward to doing more than anything else? What I liked is the amount of daylight you had. So, you, you, know, was, you know, the sun would be up at 4 o'clock in the morning and it would go down at 7 o'clock at night. So the beauty is you could go out and stay out. You'd go and, if, like I said, I had a job. you go working. You'd come home. I had a friend that had a pool. He was probably the, one of the only handful of people that had a pool out where, where I lived, an above-ground pool. So we were always over there swimming in his pool. And, you know, that was just awesome. It was really cold in the winter when we went swimming in it um, or in the creek. Um, but kids will swim in anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it's it's just it was it was just like it was a bit like fantasy world you no school you'd go to work you'd come home you'd have a shower have something and then you'd go off and you'd, you'd hang out with your mates you'd go and watch videos mm. or you'd skate or you'd you know there'd always be something sort of going on mm. i think you know you can't do that when you're at school it's just although probably kids do these days but and- and that's one of the beauty. You talk about the length of the days down here in Hobart where we are because we're so far south. The sun rises at about 4.30 in the morning and sets close to 10 o'clock at night. And um, it's just amazing. It's it's such a good good way to spend your summer, especially if the days are warm and you can go out and do things and a lot going on. But I tell you, when you've got little kids, trying to get them into bed at 7, 7.30 and it's brilliant sunshine outside and they're just sort of saying, why am I going to bed? The sun's still up. It, it makes it quite difficult. But, yeah, summer, summer is great for those types of things. But I tell you what did ruin summer for me was when I finally turned 15 and got a job. Um, and, you know, over summer holidays in a tourist town, I worked in a department store, so they were always busy and they were always looking for things and you'd have something planned to go and do and then work would ring and want you to come in they'd want you to come in and do six hours or they want you to come in and do you know an eight-hour shift and you just go oh you know I, I really loved having a job when I was younger but um when I first started having your own money and making yourself independent was great but I tell you what it really cramped your style when you were you're 15 16 17 you just wanted to go and hang out with your mates and go surfing or do whatever it is you wanted to do yeah, it, it it was, yeah, that was a big issue. The other thing too is because we had like our, our, our farm stuff going on as well. So in the morning before you went to work, you'd sort of be up and doing stuff around there and you had on the weekends if you had to spray or, you know, pick or, you know, get stuff off to, 
to market and stuff like that was a bit. So for me, it was just any of it cramped your style. I, I just made do with what I had, you know, after it. So, uh, you know, yeah. uh, in, in the evening, it was, it was great. It was like an endless weekend. <laughs> it was just, it was just great. Um, you know, you, you, you got to spend a lot of time just hanging out with your, your, your close mates. Some of them would go away for a couple of weeks and things like that. Mm. We, we never sort of really did. We still about every four years or so, my, um, my auntie and uncle lived in the very northern, one of the very northern towns of Queensland. So it's like about two and a half thousand kilometres away. And we used to, I remember driving up there, even as kids driving up there and we'd stay up there for six to seven weeks but we went up there and we did the touristy things you know the crocodile farms and you know just just did the touristy sort of things up, up um, near Mossman which is around Cairns Port Douglas and all those sorts of things so a lot of time in the water up there we really look forward to those um those vacations I actually took a mate with me one year um that we went up there it was great it was even better because I had a mate there my age just we just kick around and go up the street all the time, um, have a bit of fun, get up to mischief, things like that. Mm. Interesting statement that you make there, though, about going up the street. It's such an Australian thing to say, but what does it actually mean? It means you're just going go to hang and, out. Go and hang out in town. It was before they had malls and shopping centres and things like that. Yeah, look, we used to, there wasn't much in, in our town, to be honest. Like there was a pool, so we'd go and hang out in the pool. So me and my mates, we ended up um, making up a, a bit of a, like a game of like super tag, you know, the main, and we'd be on our skateboard. So you had the main street and then you had the street um, above it and below it, and they were the only streets you could skate on. But, you know, we'd be climbing over the shops and everything, up on the roofs. You'd, you know, you'd sort of find all these little tiny alleyways that you could sneak down and you'd be under buildings on top of buildings and you know once you were sort of caught it was that mm. that'd take us a good eight hours and we'd be doing that you know on, on a Sunday and you'd just do that all day mm. you'd, you'd go in and grab something to eat have a drink and uh, not hurting anyone not going out of your way to you know pick at anyone you know you get into a bit of a um and you used to tell your parents roughly where you were going to be or what you were going to be doing, but that could go take you anywhere and you'd never see your parents again until later on in the night time or later on in the evening. No, they'd pretty much just say you need to be home by this time. Um, and, you know, more that 14, 15, 16, you know, they just said don't get into trouble. I don't want you brought home by the police and I don't want you to get arrested. But I remember so, at 7, 8, 9, 10 sort of things, just riding your bike over to your mate's place on the other side of town and you go and hang out there for a few hours and then come back or go to another mate's place and go and do whatever and whatnot. You go to the local pool and go swimming. You know, you get your 10 cents or your 20 cents to get in the get it, the entry into the pool. You go and spend all day at the pool and, you know, come home for dinner. Yeah, and it, it was it was you just sort of did what you wanted. I think I think your parents sort of like not having you around. I know that I like not having my kids around sometimes and they're all adults now. So <laughs> Yeah. You know. Um so I I look at it and and for my kids, their summer vacations were a lot different to our summer vacations, the same as, you know, your families would as well as as well as mine. You know, it's um I really 
you know, we used to do a lot more things with our our family together in holidays. We'd actually make plans go away. For for me growing up, that's sort of like I said, the biggest trips were every like four to five years when we, we'd go up north. Mm. But aside from that, it was just you'd hang out with your mates and then you'd go back to school and it was over. over. Hmm. I remember the last week of school as well, just that excitement because you'd do nothing. You'd watch you'd watch videos or you'd uh, clean up the classroom and do lots of vacuuming and cleaning and doing whatever and whatnot and then you'd play endless sports and go out and play games and things because the teachers had done all their assessments, they'd written all their reports and they didn't really care that much anymore. They just sort of... Was it was more like a long term daycare than anything else um, that last week of school, and you'd just be counting down the hours until the end of the year. That's even if you ended up going in those last week. If once you finished, my mum was a school teacher, so I always ended up going. Yeah, you had a permanent lift going there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I had to. uh, I I didn't have a lift either. Walked or uh, you know took my foot falcon, which is walking or rode my bike. Sometimes as I was walking, I'd get distracted and not tend to probably go there or I'd ride my bike to somewhere else. Um, you know, so you'd throw your skateboard out the window and you'd pick it up and you'd, <laughs> you'd sort of not end up going to school all the time. Um, but you just had to make, you'd go to your mate's place where they had their own ramps and that that we'd where made. Where you out of sight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just hope nothing happened and that your parents had to go and pick you up from school. They never rang up to say hasn't come to school. So, you know, like they do today, you're not there at roll call. They're ringing you just doing a phone check. Mm. There was none of that. No, we're getting a text message that your kid hasn't lobbed up yet. Yeah. So, yeah, none of that. You know, I, I really enjoyed the summer holidays, the summer vacations that we used to have. It was a bit of freedom. It was always a bit of a rite of passage, um, hanging out with your friends and, you know, just getting away from, you know, the people at school that you didn't want to be around anymore, the people that gave you that that sort of hard time. For me, that was the teachers um, as well as a lot of the mates uh, or the people that weren't your mates. But, look, for, for me, I, I sort of... I loved them. I wish I had that 12 weeks off a year again, you know, the big holidays at the end of the year and and then a couple other holidays through the year. You, you don't know what you've got until you don't have it any, you know, until you lose it. Um, I, I loved them. I've got some awesome memories, as I'm sure everybody out there has got. Um, um, so from that point, you know, I, I really, I really miss it, and it was an awesome time in my life. Growing up in the eighties, great music, great clothes, great hair. <laughs> oh, well, you and I have a different recollection of the eighties, anyway. Yeah. All right, mate. On that note, if you've got, thanks for listening to this, uh, Marcus. Thanks again for this topic. I hope we've done it a bit of justice. Uh, if anyone out there, or anybody that listened, uh, if you're still listening at this point, good on you. Well, that's some that's some tenacious. Uh, well done. To- that's some tolerance from you. We do appreciate it. But if you have got any memories uh, of it, find us on our Facebook page or uh, let us know at once was cool podcast at gmail.com. We'd uh, like love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for joining in um thanks for listening uh we anything else you want to catch up with no i think we're i think we're all done i think we're all out we sort of put it took a bit of a a deviation there to snake stories and spider stories but other than that all going good all right mate thanks for that simon thanks very much we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye